seven doors uh, in their life. But uh, we're in the uh, middle of a worship series called I Am Yours. And we're talking about how God is, is always working to overcome in our lives. So that's what we're going to be talking about. If you're joining us live stream this morning, we're glad you're here. Welcome. If you're visiting for the first time, I'd also like to greet you and tell you that we're glad you're here. So I hope that caught you up on what we're doing. We're talking about how once we kind of see the reality that God is overcoming in our lives, that we can then faithfully respond to God in this way. We can actually kind of open our eyes and kind of go, I need to respond to the fact that you're always overcoming in my life. And so I am going to say to you confidently, God, I am yours. But we also have to admit that we are not always in that place. Right? I mean, we don't always stay in this perpetual place of, oh yeah, I'm always just willing to just respond to you, God, I am yours, I am yours all the time. And maybe there's some people in this room who can't say it. And so for you, I want you to to hear that God is overcoming in your life, even though you may not even know it. Overcoming you emotionally. Overcoming you behaviorally. Overcoming you in ways that you don't even realize maybe that you need to be overcome. But let me tell you, everything points to God. And that's what this conversation is going to be about. If we, body of Christ, if we, church, are committed to responding to God in this way that says, I am yours, God. If we're committed to that, then we have to be open and get ourselves into a place Where we can allow God to overcome what is within us. Amen? Amen. This is exactly where our scripture verse finds this morning Jesus. As he has been encountering this group of of, um, religious leaders uh, in the church. And they're called the Pharisees. And they are investigating in this passage a healing that has taken place. You see, Jesus has touched the eyes of a man born blind. And Jesus has healed the man. And it turns out that that God overcomes in this man what this man himself could not overcome (laughs) himself. And so now Jesus has performed this miracle and the man is made to see. But Jesus takes this a step further. You see, it's it's not just about the miracle, right? It's also an opportunity for Jesus to talk to these Pharisees in a way where he might use what's going on right in front of them contextually uh, to kind of open their eyes to Listen to this. I'm going to be reading to you from John 10. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 10. And I'm going to come from the King James Version. Listen to this. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep do not hear them. I am the door. By me, if anyone enter in, they shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come. I am come. 
I am come that they may have life and that they may have it, what? Abundantly. Jesus said to the Pharisees in all of this, hey friends, your blindness, it's not physical, okay? But it is spiritual. Jesus does this a lot now. Jesus kind of goes through <laughs> Jesus' life. And I, I've been to the Holy Land. And, I, and so the scripture, I read it differently because when you've been there and you kind of see geographically what's going on, you can tell. Jesus says stuff about, you know, moving a mountain. Well, there's a mountain that was actually <laughs> moved. And, and you see kind of what's going on in these words. And so I want to kind of take you there. Jesus is encountering these people, and, and Jesus is using these very, very simple uh, uh, things, every, every ordinary uh, day of life things. Hey, here's a mustard seed. Let me show you something about that. Hey, here's a vine. <laughs> Let me teach you something about God and about, and about who Jesus actually is. Jesus also kind of uh, lifts up things like, like a door, <laughs> And Jesus says, I am the door. And Jesus is doing this in order that God may overcome something within them. Okay? So that God may overcome something within them. Jesus is saying something very important about God's self. And at the same time, Jesus is also explaining to these religious leaders and to us exactly what Jesus is up to which is to offer real hope, real hope for today in a world that presents difficulties and circumstances that are sometimes hard to go through. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that Jesus is the door. We ask God that through your word and through this teaching and through this time together and through the worship that you've prepared our hearts with, God, that we may come to a new knowledge of you that you may pour out a fresh spirit upon our hearts and that God in doing so, that we would walk out of here and proclaim you as right and true and as the answer and as the door today. And may that be put deeply in our hearts and written upon us so that we may carry it with us as comfort forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. I am the door. <laughs> it doesn't really sound that threatening, right? But remember, this is testimony now that Jesus is giving. You, you, you ever heard people uh, getting arrested? They're told, you have the right to remain silent because anything that you will be in the... Okay, so this, this is kind of like that. So I can almost imagine like the Pharisees as like some kind of uh, yeah, ancient day uh, scribe, you know, taking every word Jesus says down so that they can use it against Jesus in a court of law. Why? Because Jesus is calling them out, right? Jesus is calling them out. Jesus has metaphorically commandeered the position of doorkeeper. Doorkeeper. And Jesus has also then put the Pharisees in their place as sheep. This whole door thing, it's all about sheep. You know, this, this statement, I am the door, it, it seems kind of basic and kind of simple, but Jesus is actually using this very simple language to disrupt their power structure. 
to disrupt the thing that they have going on, that they're lording over people, to disrupt everything. It's an amazing, the power that language has. Those Pharisees didn't want others to perceive that Jesus was powerful or had any kind of, of power to control anything. Now, the government also kind of caught wind of all of this, of the time. And, and they were not as concerned as the religious people were with the religious power. Their beef was that this could cause an uprising. This could cause a revolt among the people. This is gaining the people's ear. And we're starting to hear more and more things. This is starting to feel like unrest. These people are no longer pledging their loyalty to Caesar. These people are actually pledging their loyalty to Jesus. So you see the threat there, right, governmentally. Now, if you're the disciples, these words, they're very powerful. Very powerful. The disciples are listening on, hanging on every word that Jesus is saying. Jesus is their rabbi and he's teaching them. And they're watching this movement of Jesus grow. And as the movement of Jesus grows, the crowds around Jesus are swelling. So there's tension. Everything that Jesus is saying is starting to turn the synagogue upside down, right? These power structures are being kind of dumped on their head. These words that Jesus is saying, they're starting to get real attention. The numbers are growing. The crowds are drawn in by Jesus. And it's building kind of this grassroots campaign kind of thing that's happening. It's an amazing moment. Now, if you were part of the crowd and you heard Jesus say, I am the good shepherd. I am here to lead you in a good, compassionate, and caring way. Well, that stands in, in much contrast to the experience that they're having with their leaders, with their religious leaders, and with their government. And so when you hear the words, I am the door, you would have to hear it in this context. This statement was brilliant on Jesus' part. He knows that this seemingly gentle statement is actually going to be an incredibly disruptive, incredibly powerful thing against the structures of the time, the social structures. And I'm going to say that today they still remain that way. They still remain that way. Now, why do you think that it would be such offense to call a Pharisee a sheep? Well, I love sheep. They're nice. They're cute. Anybody ever have a sheep before? Oh my gosh, Jackie had a sheep. That's so awesome. You had a sheep too? Wow, that's so cool. But sheep, they, you can probably tell us, Jackie, sheep don't really have a good sense of home base. <laughs> they don't have a real good sense of home base. You know like how some animals, like, like some animals have dens, right? They know where their home is. Some animals have nests, you know, burrows. No sheep. Sheep just kind of wander around. They, they could see their, their base, their pen in plain sight, and they wouldn't go to it. <laughs> They're just kind of, you know. I feel like this is like my kids at every carnival we've ever attended. <laughs> right? And Jesus knows by nature that sheep are followers. And that they need a good leader. Now, why do you think they need a good leader? 
Well, let me explain it to you in an interaction that I have with my children. Caleb comes home from school, or Olivia comes home from school, and one of them has done something wrong. And I say, why did you do that wrong thing? Why is your teacher so upset with you? Well, because so-and-so did it. And then I say something that I swear to you come right out of the mouth of my mother to me over and over and over again. Well, if so-and-so jumped off of a bridge, would you do that too? Anybody ever heard that? Uh Yeah, thank you. They need a good leader. And just like our kids and like us, sheep are kind of helpless. If a wolf enters the sheep pen, you would think that they would run for their lives. (laughs) But that's not what they do. Instead, they huddle together (laughs) in perfect position to be stolen or eaten or destroyed. They're easy. They're easy prey. And the wolves know this. So when Jesus identifies himself as a good shepherd in the Bible, that is the leader who has compassion and offers care to them. In this way, these sheep know the shepherd's voice. Now in this way, they're really smart. But let me ask you this crosswalk. When have you experienced really outstanding compassion and care in your life? I want you to really chew on that. Hey, that was kind of a sheep thing. (laughs) Because I'm going to pose to you this morning that when you have, you have experienced the grace of God. How many of you know the 23rd Psalm? It's a beautiful psalm, very popular. As a matter of fact, we have an entire shepherd's garden (laughs) that's kind of themed that way. It's one of the most vivid of all scriptures. And here is what it tells us of the shepherd. It says the shepherd makes us to lie down in green pastures. When have you, Crosswalk, experienced a life of plenty? A life of, of peace? Jesus says, I'm the door to the life of peace and plenty. The passage says of the shepherd, he leads us beside the still waters. When have you, crosswalk, been offered a life-giving drink in a safe environment? Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this is talking about the the, the things that lie in in wait to, to prey on the helpless. But let me ask you, Crosswalk, when have you been encouraged to be strong and stand through those kinds of times and submitted humbly to outstanding leadership? For the shepherd is with us. When have you experienced, Crosswalk, God's comfort? You know, I told you, you could always trace the goodness back to God, right? To the hand of God. Now, I don't know about you, but this, this passage, it evokes in me so many good uh, things. And I thoroughly enjoyed, like, our Easter celebration, right? Jackie, down in the garden, uh, it was fantastic. It was out in the shepherd's garden. And, 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 and it was right here on our campus. I didn't have to go far for it. You know, that, that shepherd's garden has all these I am statements, and it. it has the 23rd Psalm out there. 
But Jesus takes it a step further in 10 and says, I'm not just the good shepherd, but I am the door. I'm the door. Now, there are cities and there are villages in the ancient context. They're very similar to our cities and our suburbs of today. And in those would be sheep pens, big ones, where multiple flocks would come in. And then someone would be posted at at the door to that pen. And what would happen is they would spend the night there, and then the shepherds very early in the morning would come, and all they would have to do is call their sheep. And you know what would happen? The sheep that belonged to only their flock would follow their voice. They knew their shepherd's voice. They knew their shepherd's voice, and only that group of sheep would go out. Isn't that amazing? Now, out in the country, kind of similar to our rural areas, things ran a little bit differently. They weren't usually with a whole bunch of other flocks. And so they would build uh, 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 these pens out in the middle of nowhere, and the walls were about this high, and they didn't have fancy gates and doorkeepers out there. All they had was an opening. (laughs) And guess where the doorkeeper slept at night? The shepherd would lay him or herself out in the opening to make sure that those sheep were safe from people who would steal them, from animals who might try to hurt them and harm them. There was no door or gate. The shepherd was the door. All of a sudden, their minds were blown. The disciples are like, is he saying what I think he's saying? (laughs) Boom. All of a sudden, the minds are blown of the swelling crowds at this teaching. The Pharisees' blood is beginning to boil. (laughs) The government's eyebrows are beginning to raise. Because Jesus is, is very colorfully opposing himself to these religious and political leaders. And not only that, but then he's calling them outright thieves and robbers. They had pitched themselves to countless believing flocks of followers that they were the door, (laughs) that they were the door, that it came through them. Does any of that sound familiar today? (laughs) Religious leaders who claim that there is no way to the one true Iun God except for their way of understanding and belief. Is there, does that sound familiar to any of you, Crosswalk? Mm-hmm. But don't buy it. Because that's thievery and robbing. And they are terrible leading the sheep off of a cliff. But I'll tell you this. There is a compassionate, caring voice from a shepherd that you know that you know and that's the voice of the one who says I am the door I am the door you can trust that voice has someone told you that the salvation offered by God the rescue offered by God comes through him or her don't buy it you know why because Jesus says I am the door. I am the door. Jesus is saying that anyone else that makes those claims, anyone else who makes those statements might be doing it for their personal gain. (laughs) 
But the truth of this good news, the truth that this good news that it gets at today is that there is one who knows every need. Now, I want you to close your eyes for a second. Friends, we've all gone through the storms of life. You might be going through one now. You might be going through a place that's tumultuous. You might be going through a place that's rocky. You might be going through a rocky patch or just having gone through one or anticipating one. But let me tell you, you know the voice of the good shepherd. You might be going through a time right now where it feels like there's lurking danger around you. That there's things that are out there that are, that are to harm you. And you're worried and you're concerned for your safety and for your personal well-being. But you know the voice of the good shepherd. It's the voice of care and compassion. You may be going through a time where you're concerned about whether or not there is plenty. (laughs) You might be worried, is there plenty of money? Is there plenty of love? Is there plenty of companionship? Is there someone for me? Is there someone on my behalf? Now I want you to hear me. There is a compassionate and comparing God that loves you intimately and knows you by name. There is one who will provide for you and who already has perfectly and sacrificially. Now I want you to open your eyes. His name is wonderful. His name is counselor. His name is prince of peace. It is almighty father. It is the mighty God. That is the good shepherd. It's the shepherd who walked across the stars and came here and took on human form to be with us, to model in his life and ministry what it means to serve this world and to love all people. That's the voice of the good shepherd, the one who climbed upon the cross at Calvary and died for you and I for the forgiveness of our sins. The one, the one who was buried and who death could not hold, who burst up out of the ground, and who raised by the Spirit of God to new life so that you and I may know the voice of a caring, compassionate God who loves perfectly. That's the voice of the shepherd we need to listen for. When we were out in the shepherd's garden, And those baptisms and thinking about what that is. It's initiation into the church, right? The church, friends, is not the Savior. (laughs) That's an already done, an already completed work. But what we are, are the hands and feet of the Good Shepherd. That's what we are. We celebrated such a one. And her life this week as we mourn the passing of Barbara Bush, whose faith had her hugging on babies in the 80s who were infected with HIV, who loved on them and said, you know what? They are touchable. They are human. And we're going to love them 
in the face of those who would treat them like trash. She taught us to hear the voice of the good shepherd. She taught us what it looked like to be a good shepherd. And she still inspires us to this day. Because here's what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd disrupts all of the power structures. All of the things that would make us think that we can't be the hands and feet of Christ. This is the same good shepherd who turned over the tables in the temple. So he's not always this meek and mild little guy with a hook stick, right? And then he says, in the midst of a Roman occupation and of a religious power play, I am the door. I am the door. I am the door. It wasn't the first time that Israel had heard this. Remember Moses? How am I supposed to go to Pharaoh and do all of this work for you, God? How am I supposed to go there? And what am I supposed to say? What if the children of Israel ask, who is this God? What is this God's name that you're proclaiming all of this in? And back then, God said it in half as many words. You tell them, I am sent you. <laughs> Jesus adds the door because we're a little dense. <laughs> Sheep are a little dense. It's okay. We can own it. And then you tell them that I'm going to give them life. And I'm going to give it abundantly. Carla, I'm going to give it eternally. Amen. Is that abundant enough for you, Crosswalk? How about you give God a hand for an abundant, eternal life? Because that time, it is not some I'll fly away, oh glory, way off into the future, I'm going to have an abundant life. It's good news for right now. <laughs> I am the door, Jesus says. Wow. And if anyone tells you otherwise... You know what you do? You do that other thing we did in the 80s. Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. You remember that one? Your friends, you're going to face circumstances. You are going to face disparity. You're going to face unrest. You're going to face those who don't believe. But I want you to remember, you know your shepherd's voice. The shepherd's voice is one of care and compassion. You know that God cares for you and is going to give you everything you need abundantly. You know, when you've reached the right church, friends, when that church gives you a life-giving drink and a safe space. Amen? Amen. Can we be that for people crosswalk? Let's pray. Loving God, you've called our church to be a church of open minds and open hearts and God-open doors. Thank you that your word, God, causes so much disruption. Thank you for disrupting our lives this morning. 
Thank you for disrupting it with your hope for today. A bright hope for today. Help us. Help us, God, to get to the door. Help us to hear and to know your voice. You are our good shepherd. Help us to recognize your character, God, and to remember your purpose. Help us to love people into the door. (laughs) Help us, God, to accept our rescue. How beautiful, how wonderful, how marvelous that you offer us the keys to your kingdom. And then you say, go and give them to others. Pass your keys to them. How lovely that we, your church, gets to love other people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I pray for anyone who's here that may have wandered from you, that may not know you. I pray, God, that your spirit would blow across their hearts and that they would develop an ear for the shepherd's voice. Help us, God, to be a caring and a compassionate servanthood that champions people to the door. Help us, God, to lay across the opening to keep others safe, to care for them. And most of all, help us to give you the victory and the honor and the glory for it all. It's in his name we pray. Amen. It's a song that comes to my heart. One that we've sung before, not a lot. But it says this. Who will stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. Who will stand against the King? No one can, no one 